Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, you you guys? guys, Sean Ross Sapp, Managing Editor of Fightful.com. It's time for The The List list and Your Boy. (laughs) Amateur. It's The List and Your Boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. All right, we are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Managing Editor of Fightful.com. FightfulMMA.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulSelect.com, FightfulPods.com, FightfulBoxing.com. We got them all. We have them all. That was Jimmy. one of the intros that you worked on all this time to, to, to get up on this thing? All this time? Who's cre- well, who, whose creative idea was that? Who decided, let's make that one of the intros? I don't know. Probably someone with a greater creative vision than getting a Stephanie McMahon cutout and spending... <laughs> Hundreds of dollars on masks to put on her. First off, I don't know what you're talking about, about who that cutout is. That cutout is Marie. It's nothing to do with anybody else. And I like the masks, and she wanted the masks, and that's why they're there. Well, Jimmy, here we are. Melissa not producing this week's show. Nigel is. Yeah, Nigel's here today. Nigel back in the saddle. (laughs) You know, I gave them some production tips when I was in Toronto. You did. You did. Sadly, Jimmy, you remember my audition video for WWE earlier this year. I did not actually get hired. Wow, that's unfortunate. I know you, and I know you were devastated. I was truly devastated. But are you surprised? Um, I mean, you had the zooms locked down, man. Well, fortunately, I sent Lindsay and Nigel to SRS performance center production school and they will see that everybody will see that on the list you boy in coming weeks 
Well, there you go. Well, I was telling Sean off the air that I have so much content today. You know, you know the little graphic we do on the, the thumbnail on YouTube, Sean? Yeah. I actually had to redo that graphic because I already had that graphic in the can and it was going to focus on a different story. And then when another story broke that I thought trumped it, I had to change the graphic and, uh, and do that. So I want to start by talking about Sean Michaels Yeah. today. So he retired eight years ago. March of 2010 after WrestleMania 26. And what did he always say in interviews, Sean? Wasn't so coming back. They, they pitched him AJ Styles. They pitched him Daniel Bryan. I think they pitched him the greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. And he always said, not just in his promo on Raw a few weeks ago, but he said this legitimately in interviews. Uh, I, you know, I'm a man of my word. And I, out of respect to The Undertaker and out of respect to the fans, you know, I got to stick to my word. Uh, and now apparently he's got the itch. Which happens to everybody, it seems, Sean, right? Yeah. And I imagine training at the Performance Center probably has something to do with that, too. So now he's got the itch. So it is not official yet, but apparently uh, November 2nd, uh, the Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia, he's going to revive Degeneration X and uh, tag with Triple H against The Undertaker and Kane. What do you think of that? Well, he's going to be in the corner, no, no, that's that's the Aussie show. The Aussie yeah. show. He's in the corner. Oh, are you saying so? That's the build. Is that you're saying? I think that's the build. Yeah, I got it. I, I got hope it. it happens. I want to see Shawn Michaels back. And there are all these people that are like, "Oh no, 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 we don't really. You don't have. Yeah, I want it. I don't care. I'm selfish. I want to see Shawn Michaels wrestle again. And I think that's the right match. I, I think mean, he's Shawn still in physical shape. Right, he's still in good physical shape. Yep. It's pro wrestling. It's not MMA. You're working. If he can still work, he can still work. And you know who's still working right now, Jimmy? Pierre Carl Ouellette, who's from the same era. I mean, he was a Quebecer. He's still getting any dates all over the place, still putting on a show. Yeah. I don't see so many people saying, I, I don't have to see PCO anymore. I don't need – who needs that? Let him – no, I want to see Shawn Michaels wrestle, and I'd be glad to see it against Undertaker and Kane. I think it's the right kind of match. It can be a little faster paced because it's a tag match mm-hmm. and you can hide some of the weaknesses that they may have. I'm down for it. I'm ready for it. I want it. Well, last June, he did an interview with Sky Sports and this is kind of, uh, you know, uh, alluding to the situation. He did an interview with Sky Sports and this is one quote from that interview. He said, I think it's one of those that you would never say never about. And if it was just for a one off, that is something that I would take a look at. And so the rumor, uh, and I, I think it's a done deal. I think the Raw promo kind of gave it away a little bit. Uh, him and, and Triple H tagging against Kane and Triple H at, uh, at Crown Jewel. When they first, when it was first announced that there was going to be a second Saudi Arabia show this year, uh, I think everybody from the Dave Meltzers of the world to everybody said, well, yeah, but it's not going to be televised. Yeah. Because they're doing Evolution like five days before they're not televising that show. Then the next thing you know, and we're, we're going to get to this next, Brock Lesnar returns out of nowhere uh, doing the Saudi show. Shawn Michaels, unless something changes, is going to wrestle on the Saudi show. And so, of course, they announced that it's going to be televised on the network five days after Evolution. I think that uh, that's not by accident that they're televising that show, given those two names. And so uh, that's what, you know, it looks like it's going to happen. Another thing worth bringing up here. So it's funny. I was having a conversation with Brian Pillman Jr. about the, the financial aspects of this show, and he's a very smart guy who knows, who can kind of dig into and analyze that stuff himself to a degree. But 
we heard this week that WDB is donating, what, $100,000 to Knoxville? Yes. Did you see that? I heard about it. Think about that. They're donating $100,000 to Knoxville for what? For Kane to appear at these two shows, essentially? That's exactly why. I've got WWE wrestlers messaging me, asking me if I know how much WWE is getting paid off of these shows. Because WWE won't tell them, for obvious reasons. They won't disclose it specifically in their their quarterlies. And WWE wrestlers are kind of like, what should, should I be asking for? What should I be? Because... And I had somebody try to compare it to the WWE Network, and I'm like, no, that's not the same thing. WWE no. Network was a pay-per-view replacement. Yeah. This is just extra. Yeah. And, it's, it's, you know, funny you bring that up because – so I, I actually asked Sean yesterday if you could ask one of our uh, respected freelancers uh, – not going to mention names, but ask one of our respected freelancers if he could do a little project for me. The project I wanted him to do was research the financial benefit to WWE of the Saudi Arabia shows compared to WrestleMania. Uh, and the reason I wanted him to do it is because Dave Meltzer, so the only podcast I ever listen to is Wrestling Observer Live after pay-per-views. And that's basically it because I'm not a podcast guy. And, of, and of course, the Fightful Wrestling And, of course, podcast. the Fightful stuff. Right, and of course, the Fightful stuff. The and the Q&A podcast and the Listen Your Boy and the Fightful MMA podcast and the Retro Reviews and... Everything. Dark match commentary. All of it. Because I have all the time for that. So, I, so that's what I do. That's and why I had to stop cursing was because your daughter would hear me cursing because you listen to so many of our podcasts. There you go. There you go. And Meltzer <laughs> said that the Saudi shows are more lucrative than WrestleMania. That's what Meltzer said. I told Sean off the air that I disagree because wasn't the total, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the total 100 million 10 years? That's wasn't disputed. That? It's disputed. That's disputed? Yeah. So I think that if it was going to be one show a year, then maybe it would be comparable. I think two shows a year, it's not quite as lucrative as WrestleMania. But then at the same time, they don't have the kind of cost going in that they have for WrestleMania, right? I mean, there were, there were talks of $450 million Where'd you hear that? from Saudi Arabia all over the place. The numbers were so all over the place. And Okay. Well, uh, so Sean is one. The other guy we just talked about, Brock Lesnar. Out of nowhere, Sean, uh, I don't know who reported it on Sunday, Brock Lesnar's in San Antonio, your favorite city in the U.S., Brock Lesnar's in San Antonio, and we're all sitting there knowing, and the fans in live in attendance know, he's going to show up. He's, Brock Lesnar's not going to vacation in San Antonio. You don't go to San Antonio unless you're <laughs> <laughs> you But you know he's not there for a Comic-Con, you know yeah. what I mean? So then there comes Brock Lesnar in the main event, interrupting, uh, looking good, looking trim, growing out the winter beard already, and uh, interferes in the match. Yeah, he was looking trim. <laughs> you know why? Because he wants to fight in the UFC. He three USADA tests, that's why. Right, right. Oh, is it up to three now? They did another one? <laughs> three, yep. Okay, okay. So uh, here's my question. Oh, and, and now they're going to do the triple threat at Crown Royal, Brock, yeah. Braun, and Roman. Crown Jewel. Yeah, Crown, Crown sorry. Royal. Uh, Crown, Crown. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I need some Crown Royal with Crown all this content. Bags yeah. <laughs> with all this content, maybe you need Crown Royal as a giveaway, yeah. Sean. So anyway, uh, my only comment on the whole Brock Lesnar thing is this. If this is a one-off, and if the only plans for Brock Lesnar are to come in, do this show, and that's it, Fine, fine, right? If there's a plan to, to bring Brock back for some kind of a program, then the way they booked him going into SummerSlam, in my, SummerSlam, in my opinion, is completely inexcusable. 
Because they didn't book him as a babyface or a heel. They booked him as an asshole that fans don't give a shit about or shouldn't give a shit about and shouldn't want to watch. So I'm guessing this is just a one-off. Uh, and here's my other thing, Sean, and I, want, I, I don't know if you would know about this. Did the Saudi government request Brock Lesnar? Was that a, is that something that you would know at this point? No, not right now. I mean, <laughs> they requested Yokozuna once. This is why I'm asking, because the last yeah. time they requested Yokozuna, they requested the Ultimate Warrior the last time, right? You know, I, got, I got a lot of connections in the wrestling world. I, I unfortunately have no connection to the Saudi government, and okay. I am incredibly <laughs> grateful for that. I can't tell you how happy I am to not have those connections. So the reason I'm asking that question is because Brock is probably going to get a seven-figure payday for that show. Yeah, I would. I would imagine so. If he's going to getting a hundred thousand to be in the corner and then maybe wrestle. Yeah, Brock's going to get a seven-figure. He might get a million bucks just to show up for a for a pro wrestling show, stay for one or two nights, and go home. Right. So yeah. my, my question is, I get it that Brock has notoriety because of the UFC, and so maybe the Saudi Arabian government knows who Brock Lesnar is, and maybe they told WWE, we'd like Brock Lesnar on the show. If the Saudi Arabian government did not tell WWE, we want Brock Lesnar on the show, why would you bring him in? Why would you spend that kind of money on him and bring him in? How does that make any sense? Especially if you got away with the shit you got away with last time at Greatest Royal Rumble, where you really phoned it in. But, I mean, they did fly... God, like 70 wrestlers over there. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe it's to really amp it up because, I don't know, I would like to say, oh, it's because they want to give them their money's worth, but that's never been the case. I mean, WGN got out of the wrestling game because they didn't get their money's worth out of WWE multiple times. Yeah. And they just dipped their toes back in. So it's really it's really hard to say. But I was told WWE was very surprised that Lesnar was willing to work beyond SummerSlam because they were expecting, contrary to anything, contrary to reports of multiple years contract or contrary to him at one point saying he was done after SummerSlam, contrary to their original deal being up then, I was told they were surprised that he was even willing to work past then. But he, I, I part of me wonders, I, I wonder if Brock Lesnar knows the drill. I wonder if he knows he's going to get his ass kicked by Daniel Cormier. Maybe he does. Like, Maybe he does. Like, Don't make these WWE dates. But at the same time, so I've, I've told the story on the air before about how I almost had Brock once for a conference, right? And, yes. and he was going to come into Vegas the same day, and he wanted a hundred grand cash, and he was going to come in the same day and leave the same night and go home. Yep. Right? Brock, Brock's not an idiot, and his management is—they're not stupid. I think Brock looked at it like, look, he, he don't forget that he, get, he he lives in Canada, right? Yes. And I think Brock was thinking, look, I got to spend what two two nights, and he's probably going to get a million bucks U.S. Right? And he's probably thinking. I'd be an idiot not to do it. And the way they book him in matches, Sean, he's mostly going to be on offense. Mostly, oh, yeah. You know? Or outside selling. Or outside Roman and Brock. Or, well, Roman and Braun, Braun. I think. So, right. Of so, so it's it's not like it's going to be all that physically punishing for him. That's yeah. an easy payday for him, man. A couple of things I'd mentioned earlier this week. Right now, WWE's promoting four pay-per-views. And they've got Survivor Series and NXT in between there that they are promoting because they announced the Mixed Match Challenge Finals are happening at TLC. Yep. So they're building to that every week. They've got Crown Jewel or Crown Royal, as you call it. <laughs> super super yeah. Showdown yeah. and Evolution, which I didn't hear mentioned at all on WWE TV this week. No, so let's talk about this. So I was going to talk about this later. So in, in previous uh, podcasts, we talked about this new revenue stream that WWE has with these stadium sold shows, right? Yeah. And we talked on this podcast about how it's just too much. They're having to promote too many shows 
on, on, on television at the same time. And it's, it's difficult. It's driving a wedge into the regular storylines, and it's causing them to treat their regular monthly pay-per-views as throwaways because these stadium sold shows are more lucrative than a B pay-per-view show, right? Now, I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a minute. I, I heard you on, might have been your post pay-per-view podcast or it might have been the post-raw podcast. I don't know. You no, said like 30 of them a month. I know. I don't know what it was. You basically said, I have no problem with WWE promoting multiple shows at once because the, yeah, UFC, because the UFC does it, right? And that's what you said. My answer to you, sir, with all due respect, Sean, with all due respect. <laughs> You're calling me an idiot again? <laughs> no, 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 not on this one, not on this one, because what you said is not foolish, it's just your opinion in this situation. Yeah, sure. But with all due respect, I, I completely disagree, and I'll tell you why, all right? With the UFC, they, they do promote multiple shows at once, the UFC. The difference is the UFC does not have three hours of live TV every Monday with the same yeah. roster. They don't have two hours of live TV every Tuesday with the same roster. Mm-hmm. The UFC, when they do have weekly shows, which they do a lot, they're completely different rosters for every show. Yes. And when they promote their upcoming shows, they typically only promote the main event, and it's always a different main event, right? Imagine if the UFC had, okay, this week, uh, Diego Chan- Sanchez is fighting whoever. Next week, Diego Sanchez is fighting whoever. UFC 227, Diego Sanchez yeah. is fighting. Then it would become redundant and it become, you know, as a viewer, maybe a little bit too much. When you're looking at the WWE situation, you have Braun Strowman is uh, with Roman Reigns on this show. Braun Strowman is with Roman Reigns on this show. Braun Strowman is with Roman Reigns on this show. And it's, it's getting so convoluted. Uh, that to me, I just think it's too much. And you know what makes it almost laughable, Sean? If you look at the last shows they've done and the shows coming up, right? If you, it, it's almost laughable. Imagine you're Samoa Joe in storyline, right? Yeah. Samoa Joe in storyline could say, AJ, I'm going to beat you at SummerSlam for the WWE title. But if I don't, I'm going to beat you at Hell in a Cell yeah. for the WWE title. And you know what? If I don't beat you there, that's okay. Because then I'll beat you at Super Showdown for the that's- WWE title. It's, it's one of the, the too much. One of the questions I had answered or I answered today on the Fightful Select Q and A podcast. Somebody said, "What's the line of thinking and booking AJ Styles in all these fantasy matches and then having him have weird endings at the end?" And I'm like, "They got to stretch it out. That's it." Uh, I, I definitely see your point. The TLC thing—they're only pushing mixed match challenge. Evolution is a completely different roster, essentially. Yeah, and Super Showdown. Yeah, Super Showdown and the Saudi show, I can definitely, definitely see your point. And uh, Hell in a Cell, because Hell in a Cell was in there too. Yeah, right? and the funny thing is, WWE's stepping out of conventional pay-per-view for a couple months, and I'm interested in that. We got like a Friday show, an afternoon show, a show in the wee hours of the morning, an all-women's show, and a couple of those aren't going to happen on Sundays. But meanwhile, you have a couple got you have NWA stepping in. Who would have thought NWA is like, no WWE pay-per-view on this Sunday. I'll slide in and I'll take that. They're running a, the Cody Aldis rematch on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. New Japan running their Fighting Spirit Unleashed on a Sunday. That's a surprise to me. I didn't think that we'd see that. So this is it's, this seems like a very expen- experimental period in wrestling and wrestling pay-per-view and wrestling major events because New Japan's been running Saturdays in America. Mm-hmm. NWA hasn't been running at all. And we're going to see about that. I might actually try to attend that if they have media access. But it, it's going to be a real interesting September, October, November, I think. And Starcade coming to Cincinnati. 
Yeah, that's coming up too. Yeah, but I, I just think again, I, th- I just think it's too many shows. I understand from a business perspective. If you're WWE, hey, somebody wants to hand you twenty million dollars for a, for a live event, cool. You'd be an idiot not to take that money. I know that there's the whole moral aspect of it. Yeah. Oh, they don't lo- allow women on the shows. Let me tell you something, man. Most CEOs of major corporations, when you have shareholders to answer to, and you can pad the bottom line by getting twenty million for a live event, you're going to do it. And that's, yeah. that's that's just kind of how it is. I, I completely agree. Financially, you, know? you got it. You you almost have to do something like that. Yeah. And right now, WWE is about to walk into the most money they have. So much money, I don't know what they're going to do with it. Well, this man will spend a lot of it on football. That's yeah. going to happen. That sure will happen. My let me, God. Let me ask you this question. So, uh, Helen Cell. So we're not going to talk about the whole show. You did your post-pay-per-view thing, and that's good enough. But yeah. uh, I know that there's a lot of criticism right now about the booking of the main event. Yep. And I know that there's a lot of criticism because in the main event, they said, well, there was no winner because they were injured. So it was a no contest. Yeah. Meanwhile, the first Hell in a Cell match on the same show, they tried to do the exact same thing by saying, uh, we got to stop it because there's an injury. Randy Orton was the inadvertent baby face with me. With me, baby, Randy Orton was the biggest baby face of the show <laughs> to me. Because he looked at the referee, said, "Do your job, count the pin." He was and smart, he, he, right? And he did. So, based on that, uh, have you heard about what the creative thinking was, aside from the fact that they want to protect everybody and oh, we can't, we can't uh, beat Braun, we don't want to beat Roman? Aside from the fact that they protect everybody and have a roster of mid carders, have you heard the creative reasoning behind no contest and hell of a cell match, which is not supposed, which is supposed to have a winner? Essentially, it was to get over Brock's destruction. That's what it. That's what it was. And I had somebody with the balls to say to me, "Oh, it makes perfect sense. They they couldn't get up." And I'm like, "They got up three minutes later, right? Yeah, after this." And yeah. they said, "Oh, well, they, it they tr- people trying to make excuses for this. There there is none. Who Stop are these it. people? Are these like uh, like fans on your Twitter or something? The people people that are talking. I don't have fans. We have <laughs> readers, and viewers, Jimmy. What uh, I met wrestling fans. <laughs> I met wrestling. I met wrestling fans Gosh. tonight. Wrestling fans. But yeah, they were. Everybody tries to make. Well, not everybody, but there's always somebody that tries to make an excuse for something that doesn't deserve to have an excuse made for it. Forty Hell in a Cell matches in history, Jimmy. One ended in a no contest, and it's because the cage did not exist anymore. They right. literally lifted it up off of the ground. Right. Another question I have for you: Have you heard? whether Brock Lesnar was supposed to F5 Roman onto Braun, or if this, that just happened to be where he was positioned in the ring. Have you heard about I that? Didn't, I didn't ask that, but if he, if he was supposed to, that was a stupid call. There's your pin! It's, it's a stupid call no matter what. It was yeah. stupid for Brock to do it. Yeah. It was stupid for Brock to say either, hey, I'm going to do this, or yeah, I'll do that. I mean, Brock will do whatever because he's getting paid, right? But yeah, but, I, but I look at it like if you're if you're fiving Roman onto Braun, there's your pin, and how does yep. that make Braun looks look weak in that situation? Like I it's agree. an easy cover up, you know what also, I mean? So they had been laying there for like ten minutes, especially when Roman is the one that delivered the spear. Yeah, delivering the spear knocked him out for ten minutes. None of it made any sense. Yeah, it was and... pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And then Mick Foley. So I understand it was the twentieth anniversary of his uh, match with Taker. I get it, and I understand that he had that special on the network afterwards. So they had that whole tie-in. But he did nothing. He did nothing. Nothing, nothing except almost screw up a count. Except count to three. Been, oh, he counted to been, three, Sean. Which has been happening a lot lately. Yeah, People yeah. People screwing up counts. He was, uh, he was uh, Joey, what was the guy from WrestleMania 3? Monsoon's son? Oh, Joey Morella. Joey Morella. He was Joey Morella. 
Yeah, on that sad. one. Yep. Kinda sad. Yeah. Kind of sad. Yeah. Okay, let's move on and talk about Ronda Rousey, Sean, because once again, sir, respectfully, Sean, respectfully, I got to disagree with you, my friend, respectfully. So uh, I posted on Twitter on Sunday night that I was really impressed with uh, how Ronda has come around in pro wrestling, and I was really impressed with her selling. I thought her selling was really good in her match with Alexa Bliss. I thought that her facials were good. And boy, did you, did you see some of the responses about facials on Twitter, Sean? Uh, you, yeah, you, the guy who pointed out that I had to segue through it last week. I mean, you were like, how long have you been waiting to make that joke? <laughs> so many guys, Sean, responded to my tweet and said, oh, especially the facials. We're not going to act like this is like some moral high ground mature podcast no Jimmy. no it's we not it's not shoving phone chargers in their dick that's true it's not it's not <laughs> but anyway i i thought ronda selling was good i especially like when she attempted her you know that swinging simone drop she does yeah and then she got the facial expression like oh i, I can't you know i yeah. can't go all the way through like i thought her selling was really good i'll even go as far as to say that dave Meltzer thought that her selling was really good. I don't give a shit what he thinks. Sean Ross Sapp? No offense. No offense. No, no, no. Sean Ross Sapp thought Ronda Rousey's selling was garbage? Well, my God. You know what? Dave Meltzer thought it was great. It was great. No, I didn't like it, especially in the beginning when she was in the corner and she was getting hit and she didn't sell it, like, at all. Which, the thing is, she shouldn't. She really shouldn't. She shouldn't have sold anything. I think that the way that they booked Alexa Bliss is counterproductive to her character completely. I agree. I agree. She should not have had a competitive match with Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey should have wiped the floor with her. I agree. I agree. And that, and that's what I was going to say, that the only issue I had with the selling is that she was selling for Alexa Bliss. That was my only issue. And yeah. we, you and I talked, I think, last week about how Ronda Rousey's shine, uh, I think, is lost because yeah. she's overexposed in WWE. Uh, and I, I stand behind that. I think that she's overexposed in WWE. When she came in, and it's hard to even think about this, Sean. When she came in, she was a bigger proven box office than Brock Lesnar. Yes, true. Think, think and, about that for a minute, right? And uh, it's also weird to think she's done more arm bars in pro wrestling than she has in MMA. Now. Is that right now? She's had that many matches. I mean, think about it. I mean, she had, like, what? How many fights did she have? Like, 12? Yeah, and they didn't all end by armbar. And the, yeah, they didn't all end by armbar. Almost all of them that she won did. Almost. Yeah, I think two. The uh, uh, Beth Correa was a knockout. Yeah, and was I mean, and Karamusha, I think was a knockout. But she's twenty one matches into her WWE career. Wow. So, and you know she's put an armbar on every single one of those. Yeah. Maybe two, and then plus the segments and stuff. Uh, I think there was some good selling mixed with the bad selling. People often think I, I had a Dana Brooke fan that was like. I know you haven't always spoken that highly of her, but I appreciate the compliment. And I'm like, because I criticize somebody for one thing in a match doesn't mean that you don't hate them. Every I don't hate them, and it doesn't yeah. mean that everything is bad. It do, I'm going to point out the good with the bad. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna like some people will go at all expenses. They'll trash the Miz, and I'm like, why? Why? I didn't need to trash Dana Brooke this week. I said I thought it was dumb when she screams "Oh!" after every move mm-hmm. because. It's like, act like you've been there before. And other than that, I thought she was good. There's good with the bad on almost all these shows. And I thought there was a lot of good with bad with Rousey selling. I think her footwork has a long way to go. Sometimes, you, ideally, you don't want to cross your feet too much. It, it's a, MMA and pro wrestling have very similar footwork in some regards. 
But when you're like standing up, she stands up a little awkwardly. You're taught how to stand up in mm-hmm. pro wrestling school. Same reason football players and basketball players don't stand up from their back because they don't want to tear up their knees. I think Ronda Rousey probably should uh, make a habit out of that too. But otherwise, like I said, 21 matches in, she's unbelievable. She's good, but I, I, I think she's on television too much. I think she's wrestling too much on television. It's fine if she wants to do live events in order to kind of gain experience. That's okay. But I think she's on TV too much. I think she's selling too much. I'm sure, again, that this man's mentality is, well, the baby face has to sell for the heel and then make the fiery comeback, right? That's probably his mentality. But I think that one of the issues here is I think that WWE has lost sight of what made her popular to begin with, right? Yeah. Because what made her popular to begin with was the combination of looks, personality, and the fact that she destroyed everybody in the cage in the UFC. That combination. If she was only hot and had personality but wasn't destroying her competition, she'd be Paige Van Zandt, right? And she would not have become the elite-level pioneering female fighter that she was. It's because she had looks, personality, and she destroyed everybody. When she got to WWE, those first two elements, Sean, were no longer an advantage for her yeah, in WWE. Yeah, I would agree. She's Aura is a, a thing. Yeah, and well, she, now she's a pretty girl on a roster full of pretty girls. She's a girl with personality on a roster full of girls with personality. What separates her from this roster is that she's an Olympic judo medalist. She's a former UFC champion. This is what separates her. She should Movie be going star, draw. Well, yeah. that too, but she she should be going in there and she should be destroying these girls. And again, I'm sure Vincent Mann's mentality is, well, there's no longevity in that. And my answer to that is Bill Goldberg. Well, my answer to destroying girls and longevity is our friends at bluechew.com. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Or boys. I'm not good, guys. I'm not here to judge. It's almost like we planned that, Nigel. Yeah. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com. That's like the color blue. They bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. It is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person's doctor visit. No waiting at the pharmacy. No more awkwardness. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we're giving you your first shipment free. First shipment free! Just use that code Fightful. You pay $5 shipping. That's it. BlueChew.com. Let them know at GetBlueChew on Twitter that you heard about them from us. Even if you don't check them out, just say, you know what? I like the segues. Kind of like you like the segue to something else dick-related. Another famous dick wrestler. You know, I wrote about Joey Ryan, but Hangman Page is reaching that territory. I spoke to him for my new series, Making a Finisher. Just type in Making a Finisher, Adam Page, in the Fightful.com search bar. It'll pop up. But take a listen to my conversation with him about his finishing move. I've always been interested in your finish. I love the the rite of passage. How did you come up with that? How did you develop it? Uh, I'm really interested to hear about that. You know, I guess it's something in watching, you know, just tons of wrestling and seeing somebody do, and it's something that I didn't feel like anybody was really using, and, you know, I needed something of my own. Uh, It's certainly effective. It's certainly uh, something I can do to nearly anyone. Um, so something, you know, I, I, I grabbed a long time ago and decided to stick with. 
Uh, when did you start using that as your primary finish? You know, it's it's been quite a while ago. Um, honestly, I was probably, you know, I don't even think I had joined the decade yet in Ring of Honor, if, if that's even familiar at all. So it's been quite a while ago. And because, I mean, on Wikipedia it has, like, you know, turn the page and buckshot lariat used as your finishers. I was curious as to what made you switch from those and, and start using this full time. Yeah, it's weird. Wikipedia can be highly inaccurate. I, I've, oh, I run a Wikipedia fact check segment based on that solely. <laughs> as far as I know, I've never done a move called Turn the Page. Um, certainly, I, I thought about using the name before, but I've, I don't. I don't think I've ever done anything called that. Um, they list you know, it as I the reverse STO, that, basically the flatliner. I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never done a flatliner as a finish. I don't know. Uh, you, you know, I needed something. Uh, that I could do to nearly anyone. You know, I did a backpack stunner for a while, and, I mean, this has been a long time ago, but that's something that's a little harder to do on, you know, bigger guys or whatever, um, even smaller guys sometimes. Uh, but I need something I could I could do to anyone. You know, I hit it on Shane Taylor recently, and he's, cool he's nearly boy. as big as they come. So it's something, you know, very versatile. Has there been anybody that takes the move in a certain way that you see it and you're like, okay, that made me look like a million bucks? Um... <laughs> You know, no, not necessarily. Um, there's only so much you can do, man. I'm just picking a dude upside down and dropping them on their head. There's, that's kind of all on me, you know, really. And and we've seen the Young Bucks get involved in that finish now, too, as they have their Meltzer driver, and now uh, they do that. Who comes up with something like that? Is that, like, something that Matt or Nick are just like, hey, let us get in on this. That'd be a good finish. Oh, man, you know, probably before I joined Bullet Club or at, maybe as I was joining Bullet Club, I kind of knew, you know, they did the Meltzer and then they take her, but I wanted to, you know, use that with mine. Um, we've done it a couple of times where, you know, depending if we got some smaller guys, I'll get one guy right a passive, get the other guy tombstone, you know, two guys at once and let them both come off the top. Um, I love doing that. You know, that was something that was my idea, you know, but it didn't really honestly take too much thinking to figure that one out. Uh, it just kind of made sense. If you all want to check out more of those, I did one with Raven about the Even Flow DDT, the Raven Effect DDT. It's not just uh, an audio video portion. It is a full article. I have several of those articles and videos up on our premium service at FightfulSelect.com. Early access, that's tier two, just $10 a month. Hot dog. Jimmy, we got to film some more commentary. We can do it. I'm out of town the rest of this week, so next week we'll uh, we'll do some more matches. Where are you going? I am going to visit my family out of town. Oh, hot dog. Yep. I am taking the train, Sean. The train. Ooh. I I haven't taken the train in a long time. It's always one of those things I look into, and then when I see the time, I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. I haven't taken the train in years. Really? Years. Yeah, but it's an easy thing for me because my wife needs the uh, the vehicle for the kids. and Yeah. So there you go. So Next to train tracks like my entire life and i don't even think trains even go through here anymore well uh, i don't even know where to go with that nigel except maybe just moving on so uh <laughs> yeah. back during summer What's slam time train? What the? no because you've already, you've already you've already done train? your blue chew segue we don't need uh, to talk about trains uh, anymore man you're a, you're filthy so back during summer <laughs> slam time yourself. back during summer slam time uh we poked fun at the fact that wwe turned becky lynch heel in that triple threat match in Brooklyn, not realizing that that crowd was going to root for Becky as they did. Correct. Uh, then we talked about, well, maybe WWE is going to pivot because the first week after SummerSlam, they had Becky shit on the crowd. 
But then she didn't shit on the crowd anymore after that, right? Yeah. We thought maybe they're going to pivot. Um, in recent weeks, it looked like that was going to happen. It looked like that Charlotte was going to go heel instead. At Hell in a Cell, Becky was again the babyface with the live crowd, right? She won the title clean in the middle, Sean, right? But the commentators treated her like a bad guy. And when she yes. wouldn't accept Charlotte, you know, raising her hand and left the ring and stuff, they treated her like a bad guy. On SmackDown this week, Becky got Becky Chance. She got You Deserve It Chance. Even when she uh, came back and won the fight with Charlotte, which Charlotte started, came yeah. back and won the fight with Charlotte, she got cheered the whole time. But again, the commentators treated her like a heel. And the commentators talked about what an honorable person Charlotte is and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. My question for you is, I think personally right now, this Becky Lynch is the most interesting character on SmackDown and possibly the most interesting character in all of WWE right now. Because right now, everything... You know what they always say, Sean? They always say that a good heel is a heel that believes that what they're doing is right. Right? Yeah. What Becky's doing, not only does she think it's right, but the fans think it's right. Yeah. So my question for you is, based on what we're seeing with commentary, do you think they're going to make her shit on the crowd... Or do you think that they're going to listen to their audience and keep her as a heelish babyface like she has I, been lately? I think what they've done the last two weeks, basically, I think the night that they that she shit on the crowd, was that the week I was in Toronto, I believe it was, because I, I had to hear about it. I it was right after SummerSlam. It. it was the week after SummerSlam. Right Summer after Slam. SummerSlam. Yeah. I think what they've done since then is listening to their audience. You think that? Really? Here, and a lot of people are saying, oh, they, they haven't changed. They're trying to force... Charlotte, right now, with Charlotte, whatever they're doing on commentary, whatever they're doing with Charlotte's promos, with her in-ring, that has Becky getting cheered the way that she is. What happens if you go heel with Charlotte? She's got to beat up Becky. She's yeah. got to smart Becky, outwit Becky. Becky didn't run away last night. When no. Charlotte attacked her, she turned right around and kicked her. Yep. She came back, yep. I think it's perfect. What they're doing right now is perfect. I think so, And if too. you tinker with it too much... I think you should let people believe that Charlotte is the person that WWE wants to push. Because people at their core are generally anti-establishment. There are going to be people who like Charlotte no matter what. And she's a competent enough performer to, to pull this off. I love what they're doing right now. But a lot of people are saying, oh, they're, they're trying to force. No, if they were trying to force it, you'd hear Becky Lynch out there saying, all you people. <laughs> all, just like who did the, who, who's done that the last two weeks? Braun Strowman. Yeah, I mean, I think there are concerns about Charlotte getting the Roman Reigns reaction. But at the same time, Charlotte is a better heel. She's always been a better heel, meaning that what they don't want to do with Roman, they can do with Charlotte, right? Yeah. They can embrace the hate and turn her heel. So you think that with Becky, they uh, are listening to their audience. That's what you think. As of right now. That okay. Because the first week this happened, yeah. Becky did crap on the crowd. I think it's the exact opposite of what's going on with Reigns and Strowman. And almost everybody else. So this leads me to my next story, Sean. And this was going to be the lead story this week until the stuff with Sean and everything broke. This was going to be the lead story. So last Wednesday, September 12th, the Sports Business Journal had their annual Game Changers Conference in New York. And they have all these business people come out. And it was focused on the ways that women intersect with sports. That was the point of this Game Changers conference. One of the people that was present as a featured speaker was the wonderful and talented chief branding officer of WWE, Stephanie McMahon. And uh, there was a woman named Katie Rosenberg. 
She is the integrated marketing manager at Footlocker.com and East Bay. I guess East Bay owns Footlocker. Uh, and she posted this on Twitter. Now, you go ahead and put that up. This is a quote from Stephanie McMahon at that Game Changers conference. We're successful for one reason only. We listened to our audience. That's what Stephanie had to say. Uh, on top of that, I couldn't help but notice when I was looking at the little Game Changers website and I was doing my clickety-clack, Sean, and I was looking around that Game Changers site, I stumbled upon Stephanie's bio on the Game Changers website. And there was a certain excerpt from that that I found fascinating. And I decided I'm going to put it up and let Sean take a look at it. Go ahead, Nigel, put this up. This is from Stephanie's bio on the Game Changers site. We've highlighted the paragraph in question. Among her many contributions, Stephanie has been the driving force behind WWE's Women's Evolution, which has given female performers an equal share of the spotlight, both in and out of the ring. Prior to being named Chief Brand Officer, Stephanie was Executive Vice President Creative and was responsible for overseeing the digital and creative departments. She was also the first woman to lead WWE's talent relations, talent brand management, and live events business. Of course, they don't mention that her dad owns the company. They chose to leave that part out. But, uh, but so, before, I, before I, I guess say more, what are your thoughts on uh, what Stephanie said at the Game Changers Conference and how did you like that bio? The bio sounds like somebody's Wikipedia that they wrote for themselves. Do you think she wrote that? I was going to ask. Do you think she wrote that? No. She had an assistant that's looking to kiss up. Get a raise. And I can see Stephanie writing that, Sean. Is that what I got to do? I got to write a bio about you? I bet you, I bet you, I bet you the assistant, uh, in your case, no, but I bet you the assistant, I would write my own bio. I bet you... I bet you Stephanie's assistant was given bullet point, Sean. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. I think it's – okay, the thing is, so often we talk about our intelligence being insulted by mm-hmm. WWE programming. Mm-hmm. And this ties into the last segment. I think with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, they do that. They insult the intelligence of the viewer yep. when they have to throw in Braun going, I don't care what any of you people think. And then on SmackDown, you have Becky Lynch just – keeping the route that has made her successful and helped God get her over. It's more often the former than the latter. Almost every time. Almost every single time. It's it's the self-fulfilling prophecy of one guy. Mm-hmm. And then when Triple H gets asked about it, uh, he, he is a heel. No, he's not. And every time Roman Reigns gets, well, I'm, I, I am a heel, aren't I? Uh, no, no, I get it. That's the line you're fed. That's the line you're told to say. It's not how it is. That's not how it is. I wrote that that column that came out uh, maybe a week or two ago. You all can search it on Fightful, where I think it's time to ride the wave of what the live crowd wants. And the reason I think that, Jimmy, is because, for lack of a better term, they have fuck you money right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe literally fuck you money in the, in the sense of Saudi Arabia giving them that much, mm-hmm. given the political landscape. But Fox, USA, the stadium show in Australia, who knows how much. Saudi Arabia, I really think that to a degree they can go back to kind of how they were in the 80s in where they were basically a baby-faced territory, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be a baby-faced territory. They can be a crowd-pleasing territory to some, some degree. WWE has this weird insistence to troll their own crowd very often, and I get to some degree that's necessary in pro wrestling because you want to get heat. But they're also often afraid of heat, real heat. 
it's so weird and it's such an adversarial relationship the WWE often has with their fans. I think that next year, especially, could be a real opportunity to change that. I'm not saying book a babyface territory. I'm say saying book a more crowd pleasing product. Okay, let me have- let me ask you this question, Sean. Yeah. So in the '90s, especially when they had WCW hot on their asses, if not kicking their asses, yeah. right? That's when they had the new crop of guys come up. That's when Stone Cold got over. That's when Mankind got over. That's when The Rock came up, all that kind of stuff. In my opinion, at that time, they listened to their audience because they were kind of out of ideas. And so if they saw people with 316 signs, they decided to make a t-shirt. If he's supposed to be a bad guy, but he's getting cheered, hey, maybe we'll try doing the babyface thing with him. I think at that time, they listened to their audience out of desperation. I think that now, because they have so much guaranteed money, and it really doesn't matter so much about storylines, and it really doesn't matter so much about any of that, because the money's going to be there regardless. They have no reason to listen to their audience now. They have zero reason to listen to their audience now. It could be both ways. Something just happened to the audio. Uh, he, he cut his audio briefly because he was coughing, and I think... When he came Am I back? back? Yeah, you're yeah. back. Yeah. You're back. Good okay. job, Sean. You got to. Re- you really got to get that cough looked into, man. Hey, maybe I can write your bio and get a little extra cash and afford American doctors' visits. Anyway, I think that. <laughs> I think it could go either way. I think it's really a coin toss, and a lot of it's going to land on how involved is Vince McMahon. I mean, I've talked to you on and off the air, Jimmy. I've had people, especially over the last month talk to me about how Vince sees certain people and why he does things, or at least why people there think that he does things. And not Mm -hmm. a lot of it has a rhyme or reason besides it's just what he wants. Let me ask you this question. So as Stephanie and Hunter get more authority in WWE, as Vince gets closer and closer to handing over the keys, right? It seems like Hunter's got a pretty good finger on the pulse about pro wrestling but it seems like Stephanie's completely out to lunch with the marketing propaganda bullshit that she essentially learned from her dad. Do you think that they are going to get worse when it comes to insulting our intelligence and spewing out this bullshit? Or do you think it's going to get better because Hunter and Stephanie are a little bit different when it comes to that aspect of, uh, oh, I, of wrestling? I think Stephanie has a complete disconnect with the audience. Of and course she does. Of course she does. Everything that she says from philanthropy is the future of marketing. Boy, if that's not a disconnect. Oh, she has no idea whatsoever. Why do you think I shit on her all the time? Because she doesn't have any idea. But Hunter does. Hunter does. does. So, but but at the same time, though, I think Hunter is going to be so focused on the actual product itself that he's going to leave all the PR stuff to her. He's got a team. I mean, his team was the team that met with Impact last week. I know that, but he's he's more of the actual product guy. Stephanie is the hey, let's go do breakfast television and let's go do all this nonsense. And so I'm curious where the message is going to go once they have more authority. Yeah, that has me worried because I know that Triple H, Triple H is the reason we get as much NXT access as we do. The reason. He knows the value of wrestling websites, not not necessarily Sports Illustrated running one article a week where Mm -hmm. they compile all their shit like Fightful and all these other websites that live on pro wrestling. He understands the importance. I don't know that Stephanie McMahon does, and if Triple H is that, involved in the product, I wonder who will take control of that. Because I don't know necessarily the members of his team. Right. I've got more connections with Vince's, the members of Vince's teams than I do that do Triple H's. So that's, right, right. I and I, I think Hunter's busy enough as it is. Imagine when he takes on more power. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's only so many hours in the day, you know? So Of course. All right, let's go to Stupid People. All right. Catch up, Garbage Out. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. All right, thanks to TrevorStrong.org for the usage of the stupid song. Once again, Sean, this was a week where I had so many good ones that I didn't know what to pick. And what order to put them in because there were so many good ones this week. So, oh? so after this, go to FIFOSelect.com, Stupid People Extended. We're going to have three more good ones. And these were just, it was a good week. I could have had like 10 this week, Sean. It was a good Very week good. for stupidity. It, just, it, was, it was just one of those things. So <laughs> this first one. Yes, honestly. Well, yeah. Well, this, so this first one was reported everywhere. So you might have seen this one on September 14th. So there's a reporter for the Weather Channel. His name is Mike Seidel. And he was widely criticized for being overly dramatic after a video went viral of him struggling to stay upright in high winds during Hurricane Florence in North Carolina. Nigel's got the clip. Put that up, Nigel. Now, as you can see here, he's struggling to stay upright. We can't hear his audio, but he says this is about as nasty as it's been. That's a quote he says. Struggling to stay upright, holding the hoodie up, the hood there over up his face. He's fighting it, Sean. You see him pushing. Oh, he got pushed back. And there go two guys behind him, strolling in shorts with their hands in their pockets. <laughs> Did he say anything after this? Did he? I mean, I know that he didn't notice them back there. Yeah, he didn't notice. Look at them strolling back there like, dee, dee, dee. No problem whatsoever. Isn't that but- so silly? It is. It is incredibly silly. So, so the Weather Channel is defending him. And you know what the Weather Channel is saying? They're saying, well, he was standing on wet grass. It was harder to get his foot in. <laughs> I, say, I say bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. bullshit. That was fake news. That was him being dramatic because he wanted that nice little shot of himself battling Hurricane Florence to put in his resume, to put in his portfolio. Bullshit. He was caught being a moron, and that's what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, Jimmy, I don't know if you've heard the popular line believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything <laughs> is he the is he the colin kaepernick of the weather channel he might be he sacrificed it all he's not going to get a nike deal he put it all that's the for damn sure yeah Nike would but, have better tread than that on their shoes he'd be able to stand up good point nike. good point you guys in the background nike's right. gonna be like listen let's sign them, them up yeah <laughs> they were fine yeah yeah this next one this is reported by the daily mail on september 14th they were all so good this week, Nigel. <laughs> so uh, there's a woman named Katie Bauer, and she is a self-professed lifestyle blogger. Ooh, is she based- Australian? Is she uh, nope, not Bauer, not Bauer? Bauer. She's based out of Georgia, this woman. She's a mom of, I think, five kids. Uh, she calls her brand Bauer Power. That's her brand. Uh, she posted this on Twitter on September 14th. Nigel, put that up. I'm only going to read the beginning of this. I was editing photos yesterday for today's post all about our trip to the rodeo, and I saw that picture of Will and just lost it, like ugly cry. 
I told you all about how literally I had no idea what the deal was with 9-11 when it happened. I was a stupid airhead at the time that didn't realize that people were actually in the buildings. And it didn't hit me until a year later that so many people died. Now, I don't know how old this woman is, Sean. I'm going to go ahead and guess with, with children. She's got to be at least in her, in her mid-30s, I would guess. That means that if 9-11 was 17 years ago, she was probably around 20 at the time. She was not too Nigel when this happened. Because if she was too, I could comprehend that she wouldn't understand what happened with 9-11. She was probably 20, Sean. How do you justify... And it's not like 9-11 didn't get any coverage, Nigel. You know what I'm saying? I was 10 and I remember it. How do you justify what she posted up there... And I, I was expecting, because this kind of made the news, I was expecting she'd be like, delete, 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 delete. But she still got that post up there. What are your thoughts, Sean? I think I was, God, I was... Like, Sean's brain hurts. Look at him rubbing his eyes on that, Nigel. I yeah. just turned 16 when it happened. Where is she from? Does she say where she's from? Georgia. Georgia. I mean, it's a little further south, I guess, but really no excuse if I'm living in Ewing, Kentucky. And I can understand the gravity of the situation. She thought there was nobody in the building, Sean. Oh, my God. In New York. people jumping out of them. That's not just stupid. That's, like, flat-out disrespectful to be that stupid. Well, I just think... (laughs) (laughs) It's disrespectful to be that stupid. Usually it takes racism, sexism, homophobia, something like that to make me offended at somebody's stupidity. Uh Uh-huh. This is pretty offensive stupidity. Like, it's one of the worst ones that I think I've ever heard of in terms of just plain stupidity. It's one if, of the worst. If we got, this is how offensive this is. If Melissa gets the fightful PR department we're talking about, I might file a claim on you for relaying this information to me. There you go. I, this woman is a moron. It's pretty bad. It took her a year, it. Nigel. A year. Like, can you imagine it took her a year? You think maybe, you know, if you want to give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe a week. If you want to give her the benefit of the doubt, it took her a year to figure out the gravity of the situation. That must have been quite the year of reflection. Must have been quite the year. The World Series, even a couple months later, when they were still cleaning shit up, the Yankees were in the the World Series, and they're like, do it for New York, all that shit, all over the TV. Yeah. Uh, This last one, uh, this is for the SRS file. Oh, boy. I know you heard of this one. It was reported by The Guardian uh, on September 18th. I know you heard of this one. So The Guardian posted excerpts from Stormy Daniels' upcoming tell-all book. Oh, man. Why couldn't Melissa be on the show this week? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Now, of course, Mushroom Hunter. Stormy Daniels, of course. (laughs) Fair. Stormy Daniels, of course, is the... Is she still a porn star? She was a porn star. Is she still a porn star? I know know she's still... Because yeah, I, I know she still strips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, it, on the radio all the time. So her book, of course, about her uh, sexual relationship with Donald Trump included this quote. I know you've read this. I lay there annoyed that I was getting fucked by a guy with Yeti pubes and a dick like the mushroom character in Mario Kart. Now, the reason that this made the SRS file, aside from the obvious, is that uh, the Guardian story came out on September 18th at about 11 a.m. Eastern time. Okay, keep that in mind, but 11 a.m. Eastern Time. By 12 p.m. Eastern Time, Sean, Mario Kart trended worldwide on Twitter with over 60,000 tweets. (laughs) 60,000 tweets within an hour of that story coming out, Sean. 
That means that people that heard that, all that information that they were getting, and they chose a zero win on Mario Kart, Sean. Nintendo Switch Online debuted last night, too. Really? That was some, that was some magnificent cross-promotion. I guess right so. There. <laughs> for that to drop literally hours before Nintendo launches an online service for the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch, by the way, one of their top games is Mario Kart 8. What a magnificent coincidence. Wow. Now, I feel wow. like we need to have mushroom expert Melissa in here. By the way, have you seen her Twitter activity? No. Okay. I don't like what she's doing, Jimmy. Really? Why? First off, she has accumulated 200 followers, many of which followed her when they saw my face on her face. So there's probably a lot of confusion follows to begin with. Uh huh. Yeah, because once you, once you put the mask on, you guys are identical. You can't tell the difference. Exactly. It's true. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Nigel, you might know this a little more more than Jimmy. You know how when there's always a viral tweet, the person who tweets always goes, while you're here, check out my SoundCloud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Melissa is essentially gaining followers off of the back of Fightful and my face, and now, out of nowhere, she's putting her goddamn mushroom adventures on there, like, <laughs> BT dubs, I'm out in the woods hunting mushrooms. Maybe you all would like to learn about it. Ah, Melissa! She's found some expensive mushrooms, man. She has. I'm actually very impressed by that, but... Chanterelles. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. We Let's... built you, Melissa! <laughs> you owe it all to us! If it's any consolation, I have not gained nearly as many followers off the back of this show, so... <laughs> so, uh... Apparently. I don't know how I'm going to transition, but uh, let's talk about Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, let's. Because I thought this was an interesting thing, and after I get done talking about the facts of this, I want to know from you if this is legit or not. So Kenny Omega, of course, he won the IWGP heavyweight title at Dominion against Okada, right? And uh, Tanahashi won the G1 Climax. And the way it works is whoever wins the G1 Climax, they get a shot at the IWGP uh, heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom. Kind of like WWE with the Royal Rumble WrestleMania. Very similar, right? Except uh, the G1 Climax is a tournament instead of a battle royal. So Wrestle Kingdom's not until January. And we know that a lot can happen, Sean, especially with Kenny Omega, between now now and January. But um, when Kenny Omega won the title, he cut a promo... And here's a line that he put in that promo. He said, I'm serving this as a warning to all the domestic talent in New Japan. You guys have to step up your game because right now you are not at our level. That's what he said in his promo. Tanahashi was on local Japanese radio this past week, and he was critical of Omega's in-ring work. He said that the last five minutes is all that really matters because there's no story in Omega's matches. That's what Tanahashi said. Omega then did an interview with the New Japan website. And here's a quote from uh, Omega uh, regarding what Tanahashi said. He said, when I watch a Tanahashi match, I feel nothing. When I show a Tanahashi match to my friends, to my father, to my fans, they're fucking bored. But when I show some of my matches, they feel something in their hearts. It makes them think about something. When a Tanahashi match ends, you've already fucking forgotten it. I wanted matches that stay with me forever, more than 24 hours, more than one week. Now... I'm sure it's no coincidence that this is all coming out knowing that Tanahashi is going to get a shot at the IWGP heavyweight title. But at the same time, that's not until January. And so my question for you is, is this a work? Yes. It's yes. a work. 
Yes, that's what I've been told. But they're very good at it. And Kenny Omega is really smart. He was planting these seeds before the last Long Beach show on a press conference or a conference call that I was on with him. And uh, I'm pretty sure he did it when our boys at Pro Wrestling Unlimited were there at the at the post-show stuff. They'll be at Fighting Spirit Unleashed, too. He was talking about how, quite frankly, some of the domestic wrestlers there are lazy and they've been getting outworked in the gym, in the ring, everywhere by the foreigners. Mm-hmm. And there were some accusations of racism there. And it's like, I don't don't know if that works for Kenny Omega, a guy who moved to Japan, learned the language. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very much implied that he has a Japanese boyfriend, essentially. I mean, I don't know if you can really rock that 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 accusation with Kenny Omega. But I got to say, Kenny Omega's trash talk is way better I yeah, don't I mean, know if you can accuse like you know even, the reason the ahead, reason sorry. I no the reason I wondered if this was a work uh, if this was a shoot I should say is because number one the match is months away. Well, they and, build it they build it way ahead of time. No, I know that, but like that. Well, that's number one. The match is months away. Number two, Omega's contract is going to be coming out, coming due. And number three, it's not often that a storyline is developed using the inner workings of matches. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I kind of wondered if this was a work or a shoot, or maybe a work shoot, or maybe there is legitimate heat, but they're trying to just fold it into the story. Well, Omega's nickname now is the best bout machine. He's like his gimmick is that he has great matches for better or for worse. Mm. And I think it's their unique way of selling it. I really do. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong and it's some elaborate heat, but you've got a guy, Tanahashi, who is basically the Cena of New Japan. Yeah, he said he should be Roman Reigns. That's what Omega said. Go to WWE and be Roman Reigns. Uh, I don't think at this point Tanahashi could be Roman Reigns. He's real beat up, I would imagine. But mm. they're building up to this big match, and they do this months and months and months ahead, and they're doing it a week and a half before they're in the States for Fighting Spirit Unleashed. So they got Kenny Omega, an English-language speaker, out there because Young Bucks and Cody and all those guys have kind of taken a back seat since All In. No being the elite, nothing mm. to really build that buzz so i think it's ingenious i think it's great i and i love it love every bit of it okay this next one you already kind of touched upon this so mike johnson from uh, pw insider reported that scott demore and ed nordholm from impact wrestling were at wwe headquarters last week that of course immediately led to speculation that they're looking to sell impact or they're looking to sell the tape library uh, and uh, supposedly that's not the case. They did not meet with Vince McMahon. They met with Triple H's team. Did they meet with Triple H himself or just his team members? I was told his team members. I don't know if Triple H was there. I know Audio's fucked team. again, Sean. Audio's fucked again. Can you hear me? Yeah, but I can hear a lot of background noise. Can you, Nigel? No, yeah, you're all right. You're all right. Piss off with that. Anyway. <laughs> I got to cut this out of the show, Jimmy. All right, go. God, I don't know if Triple H was there. I know that Impact wrestlers didn't know about it until after they got back from the UK before they went to Mexico, and they were talking about it in Mexico. And WWE wrestlers, when this news came out, no idea, didn't have any idea. Now the 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 word or the rumor, whatever you want to call it, is that this was like a getting to know you meeting because they've been licensing content from Impact for uh, 
the network and all that stuff. My answer to that though, and I, who knows what the real reason is, but my answer to that is this. They license a lot of content from a lot of people. Have they done a getting to know you meeting at WWE headquarters with Ring of Honor? Did they do a getting to know you meeting at WWE headquarters with Pro Wrestling Illustrated? Or did they do one at WWE headquarters with George, no- uh, uh, what's the, the, the photographer, Nala Pilano? Or... Well, they know all those guys. Vince knows all those guys. Oh, well, except for the Ring of Honor guys, but right. and from WWN, Gabe, he's a part of their company now. So, I mean, most of those guys they did know. Scott Demore, maybe not so much. Ed Nordholm, they probably regret knowing him. But, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, I, I was the wrestler speculating it was something about a content sharing deal. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I had people saying, "Oh, maybe Impact wants somebody for the Hall of Fame." Well, they're not getting that meeting then. Oh. He doesn't give a shit about their Hall Couldn't of Fame. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Who gives a shit about their Hall of Fame? Nobody gave a shit last. They didn't have one last year. Yeah, no. I think Hunter would be like, yeah, that sounds good. That'll be two hundred grand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, let's talk about the NWA. So I want to give props to Billy Corgan and to Dave Lagana and to Cody Rhodes. Lagana. Lagana, I'm sorry. And Cody Rhodes because they have somehow managed to take this title that – meant nothing. It was kind of, you know, the, the value of a piece of tin because of the way that the NW brand had been utilized for many years, and they've actually turned it into something. It started with the 10 Pounds of Gold series on YouTube. Then all of a sudden we had this revolution in pro wrestling where these promotions are working together even when it comes to television and even when it comes to contracted talent. So Cody Rhodes challenges for the NWA tell it all in, beats Nick Aldis for the title. Then they announce he's going to be at the 70th anniversary NWA show in Nashville defending against Aldis. And now he's going to defend the title against Willie Mack in Ring of Honor. It's amazing, man. They've taken this thing that meant nothing, and now it means something. Cheap plug for my long form from old to gold, where I talked to Colt Cabana, Dave Lagana, Tim Storm at the, the end of last year about how they made me care about that title again with a guy who I only knew when I would Wikipedia NWA World Championship to see who the hell held the thing. So it was one of those morbid curiosity searches on Google where it's like 2 in the morning. Who's the NWA champion right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, it's this 52-year-old. How'd that happen? And now this is at the point, I mean, I've, I've spoken, not a big traveler, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll go to Nashville and cover this NWA 70th anniversary thing. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll check that out. And that doesn't happen a year and a half ago, Jimmy. It doesn't no. happen two years ago. When Billy Corgan bought the NWA, we were like, what the hell is he doing? I really did. I was like, oh, man, you're buying trash. Like, you're overpaying yeah. for nothing. He did He did buy trash. The only thing is the price of garbage went up. And now <laughs> he, made, he made it worth something. He antiques road showed the NWA. Yeah. And he took it there and something that really wasn't worth anything – he made it worth something. Again. It's true. I mean, you know, let's be honest. They're not making millions, but at the same time, they're making something. And the NWA was not making anything before. I saw. I saw where somebody was like, "Lagana, you need a weekly TV show." And he's like, "I would argue that Ten Pounds of Gold works a lot better than any weekly TV show we could have at this point." And they're, they've got decent YouTube revenue. I'm sure decent to, to the point to where Cody was like, "Hey, yeah, why don't you do a series for me too? Well, how about you do two series for me?" Right. Let's work with that. Dave Lagana is really good at making something out of nothing. And He's done a in, good job. In the wrestling business, that is something, whether you're writing, whether you're podcasting, whether you're wrestling in the ring, make, being able to make something out of nothing can go a very long way. And he's been able to do that 
fantastically. I'm excited to see what they do. They've got a women's title, and Jazz holds it right now. And the national title, too, right? They're bringing back the national title? The national title. They have a lot of them. Yeah. Very interesting. So another promotion that's making noise now is MLW. Yeah. Uh, I know they had their war game show recently. I haven't watched watched it. it. Was it good? It was pretty decent. It was all right. Okay. Now, Court Bauer posted this on Twitter on uh, September 18. Now, did you put up Court Bauer's Twitter? Oh. Threw Nigel off. I threw Nigel off. No, no, I had it. I thought I needed a black background behind it. Okay. He said, I've moved heaven and earth. Penta, Phoenix, and Selena are with MLW for the foreseeable future. Selena just signed a new deal, and the Lucha Bros are committed through the end of 2019 at the very least. Of course, there's been a lot of speculation about those guys, Pentagon Jr. and, and uh, Phoenix. Uh, somebody at the bottom said Felix. Did you see that? But anyway... <laughs> There was a lot of speculation Felix. that WWE had both of them on their radar. Felix the Cat is a household name. That would be a great coup. That'd be a big pickup. That'd be a big pickup. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who he'd go over. Or what his finish uh, would be, for that matter. But I, uh, if, if, he, if, he, if he's got them under contract until the end of next year, I say good, good, good for him. Although, Pentagon and Phoenix are not exclusive to MLW. No. Although, I guess if they sign with him, though, then they're not going to go to WWE. Correct. And... Right. I had people in my inbox today that were very surprised. They're like, oh, I heard they were going to WWE by mid-next year. And I was like, well, right now they still have a Lucha Underground deal, which they have an opt-out clause after their, their fourth season, which is going on right now. But I'm not sure the Lucha Underground knows when the last episode of their season is going to air. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, one of the reasons I was told that they were that so many of these guys were able to work MLW and Impact was because Lucha and El Rey were getting a little creative and stretching out seasons into like 40, 42 episodes and – taking extended breaks in the middle, and a lot of these people sell, signed four to seven season deals. Mm-hmm. And there's a period of, I think, three to six months after their last episode of the season to where these people can appear for, for somewhere else. So, um, and PW Insider, according to Pro Wrestling Unlimited, says that they're signed till the end of season five, not four. Either way, they're locked up through next year. And mm-hmm. Carlos Toro talks to Pentagon all the time. And Pentagon had said, I haven't talked to WWE. Not at all. And legally, they can't. Right. Well, that's interesting. And then uh, I have a lot of news about different promotions this week. Triple A. Well, well, you know what? Speaking of different promotions, Brian Cage works for a lot of different promotions. And I spoke to him about that recently. Roll the footage. (laughs) Hey, Brian. Over a 10-day period, you'll be on Pop TV, WGN, El Rey, and with the opportunity to be on pay-per-view. And in recent years, that was not an option. What do you think in wrestling facilitated that change for uh, a guy like yourself to, to be available in all these different outlets? Oh, man, that's a great question. You know, I, I was just talking to somebody else recently about this. And just and I just earlier I said, too, I hope, you know, it's a great time to be a wrestler, a great time to be a wrestling fan. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, what the switch was. But obviously, there's there's been a huge you know uh, thriving market within the independents and obviously all these other outside companies you know whether it be Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, obviously WWE's always going to be around. Um, and there's just so many so many different outlets and type of wrestling, and I feel like uh, there's so many fans that enjoy all these different products and different avenues, and the fact that they kind of slowly meshed together somewhat um, and working together has been, been an, an awesome, awesome attribute for, for everyone. I mean, the fact that we have, you know, Lucha Underground versus Impact at WrestleCon, and then you have versus 
fact, I'm a, I'm a Jericho Cruz. It's hopefully just a, a short, small sign of what's to come. Um, and then exactly now we have these huge opportunity, you know, with, with you know, multiple networks and pay-per-view all at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal and it's unheard of, but it's, it's, it's fantastic that it's happening. And, uh, you know, too, I didn't even realize within that short of a time period that it was even happening until you just said it. So, I mean, it's, it's incredible. You can also see one of our hardest-hitting stories of Fightful.com history, which was titled, Melissa Santos says that Brian Cage is a yummy and good-looking penis. That is on Fightful.com in our archives. Okay, so I was talking before the break about uh, other promotions, and I was going to talk about AAA in Mexico, because I thought this was interesting. So, have you been keeping up, keeping up with AAA? Okay. So I haven't either. I'm not going to lie. I haven't either. Yeah. But I, I did a little bit of catching up. So Dr. Wagner Jr. was the AAA mega champion. Okay? He lost that title to good old Double J, Jeff Jarrett. He sure did. Dr. Wagner Jr. then helped Phoenix, you know, screw Jarrett and win the title. So now, sure. Phoenix, now Phoenix is the champion. Uh, that now has led to a, a, little, a little feud with Jeff Jarrett and Dr. Wagner Jr. That's going to result in a hair versus hair match at a show called Heroes Immortalis 12 on October 28 in Mexico. Jeff Jarrett in a hair versus hair match against Dr. Wagner Jr. What do you think of that, man? Good for Jeff, man. Yeah. He keeps finding a way to make money. And he keeps going to Mexico and making money too, which is pretty wild. I think it's cool. Now, the only, the only little asterisk or little caveat on this is that prior to this match being booked... Dr. Wagner Jr. had already, in a different storyline, in a different angle, agreed to do a mask versus hair match against L.A. Park at Triple Mania, uh, I think next year, which means that, I guess in theory, he could lose, shave his head, grow his hair back out, lose again, but it would kind of, you know, lose its luster, so it kind of tells you maybe Jared's going to lose based on that, but whatever, that's what they did. That's what they did. So. I mean, sure, why not? I wish WWE would do more hair matches. That stuff was was good, yeah. They haven't done that kind of stuff in a long time. Now, Jeremy let me ask you this: lost his hair. Come on, without doing anything about it. Nothing. You're right. Yep. So, uh, WWE got good news in court this week, Sean. They sure did. So, that it's is, always on Sean's side. That's got to be. Is that that same guy? It's the same but, guy. No, we. You know, I do talk about the size of this this town but there are more than one one people who live here and on a motorcycle all right all right motorcycles <laughs> trucks without mufflers anything okay so mike johnson from bw insider reports that judge vanessa l bryant from the u.s district court of connecticut officially dismissed all lawsuits brought against wwe by dozens of plaintiffs all you know ex-wrestlers alleging uh, a lack of protection when it came to wrestler health, particularly when it comes to concussions, CTE, and other head injuries. What basically had happened here was some greasy piece-of-shit lawyer thought, here's an easy way to make some money. Let's create a class-action lawsuit. Let's manipulate these wrestlers because the sad truth of this, Sean, is that most wrestlers from, say, the territorial days of the 80s and 90s, most of them are not in the greatest shape financially. Uh, and a lot of them aren't in the greatest shape in terms of their health. And so some lawyer manipulated them into thinking, join this class action and you can get paid. 
And you see this a lot. You see it a lot in, in everyday life where some lawyer is able to convince a bunch of people to come together in a class action because that lawyer is targeting some corporation to try to make some money. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. Uh, so they've been, they've been dismissed. The sad part about this is that a lot of these talents now, and I don't have the full list of them, but I know that Road Warrior Animal was one, Paul Orndorff was one, and then Coco Beware. Mohammed Hassan was in there. Mohammed Hassan was in there. Uh, the sad truth about this now is that there's a chance that a lot of these guys now may have WWE turn their backs on them as a result. Uh, and I've heard stories about Paul Lundorf having dementia now. Uh, there's he's, a go- he's in rough shape. There's a GoFundMe because he needs uh, to pay back taxes on his property. And it's a sad thing when you think about Mr. Wonderful, what he meant to WWE in the mid-80s and the run with Hulk Hogan and the big event at uh, CNE in Toronto. And now because he was manipulated into joining one of these class actions, now WWE might turn their back on him. It's a sad situation. And quite frankly, it was a situation where these wrestlers were never going to win because they wrestled in the territorial days. Oh, yeah. How could you ever convince a judge that you'd suffered a concussion in the New York territory and not in Florida or not in I, Memphis or not in Calgary. You know what I'm saying? How were they ever going to convince a judge of that? When I looked at that list, and I, you know, I didn't get to talk to Hassan uh, a lot about it, I thought that his case was probably the best because he didn't really wrestle anywhere right. but there. Right. But you, you look at it, and I've got the full list of 51 names in front of me. The Guerreros, the Road Warriors, Demolition, Barbarian and Warlord, Heidenreich, Tracy Smothers. You mean to tell me Tracy Smothers when he was Freddie Joe Floyd? That, right. That's why? Right. Come on now. For like a year. Rod, yeah. Rodney Mack, Shane Douglas, Sylvain Grenier, maybe. But Jazz said in a recent interview that we ran, that, oh, news is coming. Could be good, could be bad, but it's coming. It was bad for her. Yeah. And uh, WWE has not touched any of the 51 names, including no. the Hebners. Yeah. What are the Hebners doing? Yep. It's it's a sad thing, and again, they were never going to win because of because of the way that wrestling was back in those days. They were never going to win. They were manipulated by a lawyer into believing that they were going to get a payday. Yeah, and it's sad. And when you look at a guy like Muhammad Hassan, he would have had a better shot by himself, right? Yes, way better. He would have had a better shot by himself, but he was he was convinced, you know, join this class action because there's strength in numbers, Sean, right? And uh, it's it's a sad thing, man. What's that? And that's sad. Several of these people are, have died since then. Yeah, wasn't Blackjack in there? Yeah, and uh, Axel Rotten's... Well, his estate, too, but I think Chavo Guerrero Sr. Right. Um, that's too bad, man. It's too bad. So, the Hardy Boys. So, Matt Hardy posted this on Twitter on September 15th. Nigel's got it. He said, Thanks for the massive love tonight, Corpus Christi. I fulfilled my final advertised live event commitment. Uh... I think it's still up in the air whether or not he gets a backstage job with WWE. I think it's WWE's decision, not his. It is. Whether or not he gets a backstage job in the company. So uh, his, his future is going to be up in the air. Then there's Jeff Hardy. So as we know, when Jeff Hardy returned to WWE, uh, he said in interviews that one of the things on his bucket list was to be in a Hell in a Cell match. And now he's had that opportunity, and he was in a Hell in a Cell match. The finish was kind of wonky, but he was in a Hell in a Cell match. He I didn't. Liked it. I like I like the match anyway. I the only thing I didn't like about it, if I'm being picky, is that Randy rolled off the table like 15 hours before he dropped from the cage. That was the only thing that I didn't like about it. But at the same time, I guess once you're hanging up there, what are you gonna do? You know. Yeah. So anyway, 
Uh, he did an interview with CBS Sports, and he said that there are two more things that he wants to do in WWE before he retires. Uh, I can see him getting one of these. I don't necessarily see him getting both of these wishes, but the first one is he wants to wrestle Finn Balor with Finn in the Demon King paint and Jeff in the Enigma paint because uh, he thinks that'd be cool. Then the other thing he wants to do is he wants to portray the Willow character from uh, TNA in WWE with the mask yeah. and the whole thing. I think there's a very good chance that he'll do the Balor match. I don't see them yeah. bringing Willow in. I don't even know if the IP would be an issue. Maybe not. It's not. He, but... he had that forever. He used that in ROH even way back in the day. Okay. Got booed out of the building for it. But for Matt, I know that it, it was uh, basically a test run, kind of learning the ropes backstage from that. But, I mean, I know that from my discussions with him years ago that he wanted to take a backstage role even in TNA. And he's got a really creative mind. I've been through that a million times. For Jeff Hardy, somebody asked me what I thought the best role for him would be. I think him being a special attraction and then paying him essentially to not work elsewhere would be the best bet. So you pay him to show up and work Starcade in Cincinnati, that live event. Mm -hmm. Show him to have him work the live events in North Carolina and South Carolina. Sell out those venues. Put him in big matches there. Say somebody gets hurt the week of Hell in a Cell. Well, you got Jeff Hardy right there. He can slide almost into any spot. Surprise partner, he works. Somebody needs to fit into an Intercontinental title match, he works. He'll get a pop. It'll, it'll be just fine. Also, you can use him as, like, Royal Rumble type stuff, greatest Royal Rumble type stuff. Mm-hmm. Surprise partner for Survivor Series, there you go. Mm-hmm. Make him an attraction. Pay him six figures to not go wrestle elsewhere. You can sell his merch, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and it sounds like Matt's done in the ring, right? It's what he's saying, but, you know, Matt's very good at getting people to talk, too. Mm. Yeah, all right. Uh, I want to touch on something, uh, just a little interesting little side note thing. So in the past, we talked about when WWE signed these new deals, the new deal with NBC Universal and the new deal with Fox, and they're going to be getting all this money, we talked about what is the talent going to want or what is the talent going to expect in terms of, well, now you're making all this money. What's in it for us? And I've suggested all you do is you pay their hotel, you pay their uh, rental cars, you give them a per diem for food. Uh, our friends at WrestleNomics actually touched upon this, and they suggested that paying the road costs would jeopardize the independent contractor status of these talents. So I wanted to touch upon this. I am not a labor lawyer, and so I guess my opinion is not uh, you know, educated, necessarily. (laughs) However, I do have independent contractors on staff and I've had independent contractors on staff for many, many years. And I expense a lot of that stuff. I expense, I expense food. I expense road costs when they have to go away. I expense hotels. I pay the taxes on it. It's never been an issue. I don't think that would jeopardize the independent contractor status. I think that the independent contractor status is primarily about benefits more, yeah. so, more so than about hotel and food and rental cars. I'm not a labor lawyer, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that that stuff would get in the way. I think that it's just WWE up until now has not wanted to pay it, and that's all well, there I is mean, to it. I mentioned on, on the show a couple weeks ago, I get paid trans and often a hotel, if I want it, a hotel to call regional amateur MMA. And like and I told you, I paid your damn Ubers when you were here. You did. I put you in a hotel. You did. You often you often handle things like that. I don't so, pay I mean, for it's... your microwave lasagna. I haven't done that. <laughs> I haven't eaten that in well over a year. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Well over a year. It's so easy to push his buttons, now. <laughs> so easy. I mean, all I said is I haven't eaten it in over a year. Mm-hmm. And it was, let me tell you, 
It was hideous looking. It must have been good enough. It must have been good enough that you put it on your Instagram, Sean. Oh, I think I, I put it on there because it looked hideous. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all yeah, right. It was horrifying. Okay. Now, have you heard anything from your friends and people that you talk to? Whoa! Whoa! Sir. The, the air quotes. <laughs> I don't have friends. I, I know I work. I know I work a lot, but I do have a semblance of a social. I life. meant in the company. I meant in the company. Have you have you talked to any of your friends? <laughs> I meant in the company. I meant in the company. Have you talked to any of your friends about? So the new contracts kick in October of next year, right? Have you talked to any of your friends about the discussion internally? Because do you remember when the network came along? And I can't remember who it was. It might have been Jericho that said the Randy Orton went to him and said, how are we getting paid on that? Right? Yeah. So has anybody talked about, well, now they're going to be seeing their rights fees go whoosh, like this and what's in it for us? Has that discussion come up? Yeah. And there are people far smarter than I that can correlate this to the stock price. And it's almost at 90, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable. And Barrios keeps Un- selling, Sean. Barrios keeps selling. Yeah. So, I mean, they're close to 90, and people are looking at that, too. And I've got wrestlers that are not asking me for advice on how they should handle this, but they're saying, do you have any information that we don't have? And WWE is very closely guarding a lot of this because there are a lot of wrestlers, and uh, many wrestlers don't have agents. Oh, yeah. That's something you hear from a lot of backstage. You hear from Bruce Prichard and J.J. Dillon. Well, they get what we offer them, yeah. and that's it. Well, nah, not these days. Yeah, These days, there are a lot of other places. And you see, I think it's one of the promoters of Game Changer Wrestling that was saying indie wrestlers should not be signing unless it's for top dollar right now. They shouldn't be keeping themselves in one spot unless it's for top dollar because this is, this is a market unlike anything. So you have to couple WWE's FU money with the unreal landscape of pro wrestling right now. Mm-hmm. Never like this. Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, the territory days. No, not the territory days. Territory days, you couldn't click a button, boom, you've got matches. That's true. I had somebody say, where can I find Leo Rush matches? How about YouTube.com? That's true. There's a good start. Yep. Anything you want to see. You know, back there in the day, back in the day, what they're going to do. Back in the day, there were some wrestlers, they were a heel in one territory. They'd go 100 kilometers away, they'd be a, a face in that territory. And the two towns had no idea. Yeah. That was, that's how it was back then, right? So, now I was just, Sammy Callahan, he's, he's got to work a heel on all of his shows to keep up his facade, like his, his personality. Everybody knows that. And he gets paid accordingly. And now he's on Lucha Underground. Now he's on MLW. Right. Remember when he left NXT and people said he was ridiculous for it? Mm-hmm. He's on every show now. I still hated every the baseball bat now. spot. I hated the baseball bat spot. Yeah. I remember I told you, if, if I was a promoter, I wouldn't want that on my show. It was so I wouldn't want that on my show either. But, yeah. I mean, from a character standpoint, he's really good. And he's one of those guys that said, I can do better than NXT. And he did. Yeah. And there are going to oh, be Oh, lots of guys people. have done that. Lots of guys. There are going to be people that look at that as well if there isn't a substantial increase. Right. Have you heard any more? Because I, I can't help but notice in uh, in WWE, this is a completely different topic, but I couldn't help but notice in WWE. So first they had Bailey and Sasha doing their thing uh, and forming a tag team because they made up because they went to counseling. Now all of a sudden we have Alexa Bliss selling an injury saying, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on helping Alicia 
and uh, Mickey yeah. James be a tag team. I'm going to focus on that. It looks to me like they're going to get the tag team titles going for Evolution. Have you heard any more about that? I've heard that the concept art was submitted months ago, but really? I had also heard that about the 205 Live titles too. And right now I'm hearing all kinds of stuff about 205 Live. Uh, if you all watched the Raw show, you kind of saw the little scoop ski I unleashed about them only doing two matches a week instead of three. They changed nights. So I, I, it's hard for me to say, like, just because they submitted the, the, the art for a design doesn't mean that it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there was there was art submitted months ago. I mean, again, it's, 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 it's one thing to just book a tag team match with four girls. That's one thing. But to me, when you have Alexa saying, I'm going to you know, take a little pass for now on my singles career because I'm going to focus on helping these two as a team, that's yeah. different. That means that suddenly that's a tag team. You know yeah. what I mean? So. I think they should be. They, they need those, and I think that those titles should be something very special. It's something myself and Alex Pawlowski talk about often on these shows. They should float. And they shouldn't just float. Sasha and Bailey, if they win these, they should pop up in NXT. And imagine the pop at a full sale taping if Bailey and Sasha Banks walk into that goddamn oh, absolutely. building. Absolutely. It would be the biggest pop in full sale history if that happened. And they defended it against two girls that were there. Right. Right. Maybe one of them can be uh, Iggy or whoever the hell, the one that took the choke slam. Oh, my God. And there was something I actually did on the, the Q&A show where they talked about how WWE has rendered the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title like, well, what are they? They weren't on the shows. You have to make them special in their own individual ways. You have, I love the open challenges. I, I think do, that's too. that's a great way. Uh, if you condition the crowd to think that they're getting the Shield versus Dogs of War mm-hmm. in their tag title matches, like mm-hmm. – that was an unbelievable match at Hell in a Cell. Hey, Sean, question for you. How do the open challenges work? Do you like just go to the ring and do it, or do you have to go to Baron Corbin was, first? I thought Natty's so ridiculous. Was great. So ridiculous. I thought it was great. She goes, well, the guys just go out and do it. <laughs> and, oh, of, course, Ronda, of course, Ronda had to do that when the Bellas are there because Nikki's the one you go to about writing companies and writing books yeah. and, how, and how do open challenges work. You know that advice you offered last week? That would right. be great. Right. <laughs> I'm ready to, to cash in my advice in the bank contract here. Man. <sighs> anyway, that's all I got this week. Fightful Select after this. Stupid People Expanded. Three more good ones. There you go. Yeah, guys, just, just go over and visit FightfulSelect.com. Even if maybe you're not interested in checking it out, we have free preview content. YouTube.com. I have a full playlist we all can kind of take a look at what we have to offer there. But also you can head over to FightfulSelect.com and just check out the, the rewards we have. There's a lot of great stuff. Dark match commentary, The Weekender, where I review everything like non-WWE. Did a Q&A show just before this. We do a retro review every month. Lots of cool stuff over there. We're starting to add more and more MMA content as well, hoping to expand. But tonight, since it's the first time they're doing 205 NXT May Young Classic back-to-back-to-back, Warren Hayes' Fightful Select review will be up free on Fightful.com as a preview. I want to get you all more acquainted with with Warren, but you all will be able to check that out live right after that block of shows air. That's something I wanted to ask you, Jimmy, right before we we go off. Essentially, they got a WWE Network block tonight. Three different shows. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think it kind of makes sense to make Wednesday the WWE Network night. Sure. I mean, they've got uh, TV Mondays and Tuesdays. 
Why not? I and I'll be honest with you, I don't I don't follow a lot of regular television anymore. And so yeah. I don't know what the hot nights are for TV. Thursday's football now, right? Yeah. So they don't want to do Thursday because Thursday's football. Friday's going to be SmackDown. So they don't want to do Friday. That means Wednesday makes sense. And in a DVR world, I don't know that there is a hot TV night. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe I not. Am. Hey, Sean, you know what? Did you know? What? Did you know, Sean? <laughs> did you know that the cage was red because it's hell in a cell, Sean? Did you know? Let's talk about that. The cage was red because it's hell in a cell, and people are so fucking dumb that they don't know that hell is supposed to be red, and so they had to paint the cage to get the point home that hell is red, Sean. So it's funny. On the Fightful Select. Did you know that, Nigel? Hell's supposed to be red, Nigel. Yeah, well... On the Weekender podcast, I often criticize how Ring of Honor, everything, black ring ropes, apron, skirt, mat, barricade, mat, stage, screen, all of it black. So finally they switched to a white canvas, the complete opposite, which is kind of, it, it looks better. looks way better. WWE decided to run with a red cage because of hell. And what did they do? They lit the, the people behind the cage in red. red. They had a red LED board behind the cage. Oh, off to the side. Then inside the cage, Jimmy, each of the ring posts had LED lights that were, you guessed it, red. You know, the only time that Renee Young is really, really bad on commentary, the only time she's really bad is when she's forced to say scripted bullshit. Because she she doesn't come off natural. She comes off like she's reading. They had poor Renee Young sitting on commentary. Roman Reigns is going to the ring. And poor Renee Young has to say, Roman Reigns enters the devil's playground. (laughs) So my wife, I didn't didn't even realize this was how I reacted. But my wife was watching Hell in a Cell. While I'm watching the show, I like to get a little workout in. You know, try to try to maximize my time. And I'm... You have a shake Down weight? The floor doing Use your that. shake weight there on the couch? <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Gotta keep that fucking stamina up. So I'm down there and I'm not facing the screen, but I just hear Michael Cole goes, The big dog! And I guess instinctively I said, Here comes. Oh, he goes, Here off. comes the big dog. Yeah. Yeah. Instinctively I just said, Ah, oh, fuck off. Hey, did you know that on Raw this week, uh, when Roman was being interviewed prior to the Baron Corbin match on, Roman said, I'm not the underdog, I'm the big I'm dog. The big dog. <laughs> Boom! We're out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.